Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 30th, 2019, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Well, Mercury goes direct tomorrow evening, July 31st, so things will improve steadily until it's back up to full speed, and I'm sure you're glad to hear about that. Our special guest this evening is an award-winning and best-selling author, Dr. Ayn Cates Sullivan, whose work focuses on mythology and folklore for the modern age. Her book, Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses, successfully launched on October 1, 2017, selling out on the first day to an enthusiastic audience. It's a collection of ancient Irish myths and the missing or untold stories of women recounted in first person and has won 13 literary awards. The second book in the Legends of the Grail series, Heroines of Avalon and Other Tales, is a collection of Celtic and Arthurian myths and legends focusing on the heroine's healing journey. In each book, she brings forth the story of a goddess or heroine, oftentimes speaking from the legend's own voice. Sullivan offers that goddess or heroine's place in the historical mythology, her cultural and religious significance, her special gifts, and the mystical elements associated with her, colors, trees, animals, and rituals. There are also guided meditations specifically designed to call forth that figure's protection, essence, and empowering qualities so that the modern-day woman can embody and strengthen her own spirit. You can visit her website at aincatessullivan.com. And Ain is spelled A-Y-N, Cates, C-A-T-E-S, Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want the Stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it about four months ahead of your birthday so that you get it in before your 10 hours happens. So first up this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful, exciting Starseed News. Hello, Ariel. Good evening, everybody. Great to be Hi with there. you. Hi there. Hi. We have lots of news today, so I need to get on it. 
Um, we have some great news. This is from Starseed Sarah, bless her heart. She sent me a notice that the International Classification of Diseases, which is the ICD, now has codes for health effects caused by non-ionizing radiation. Now, doctors can now use this code to characterize health effects associated with radiofrequency diseases, dirty electricity, ground current, and other types of NIR. And finally, the medical community can now begin to attribute health effects to non-ionizing radiation. They say this is a major victory for the scientists and activists who attended a conference. It was the 2015 EHS resolution that was adopted in Belgium. They say this is going to be good for everybody involved. You know, once you can identify something, in the case of medicine, you can't say it doesn't exist. So that's a big leap. A lot more to do, but that's important. If somebody says there are no health effects, well, now you can reference this move, this change. Tonight in the skies, there will be a spectacular Delta Accords meteor shower. It's going to light up the skies tonight. If we were in the southern hemisphere, we would have a better show. But in the northern hemisphere, if you can get away from city lights, you will find some falling stars in the sky tonight. And in an associated topic... We had another near-miss, asteroid near-miss. Scientists were just shocked to discover that there was a city-killer asteroid that just whizzed past Earth. This was last Thursday, and this was uh, an asteroid that was one that scientists hadn't been tracking, and it seemingly appeared from out of nowhere. And according to data from NASA, This was a large rock, about 110 yards wide. Well, not so large, actually. It was small when it comes to asteroids, but big enough, big enough to take out a city. It was moving quickly along a path that brought it within about 45,000 miles of Earth. And that's about one-fifth of the distance to the moon, and according to scientists, uncomfortably close. One astronomer said it snuck up on us pretty quickly. People were only sort of realizing what happened pretty much after it already went past us. He said, it shook me out of my morning complacency. It probably was the largest asteroid to pass this close to Earth in a long number of years. So how did this go unnoticed? Well, he says that nothing this size is easy to detect. Scientists rely on reflected sunlight, and even at closest approach, it was barely visible with a pair of binoculars. And speed is also a factor, and its elliptical orbit. As it approached Earth, this asteroid was traveling at about 15 miles per second. And by contrast, other recent asteroids have clocked in at between 2, 5, and 12 miles per second. This last-minute detection is yet another sign of how much still remains unknown about space and a sobering reminder of the very real threat that asteroids can can pose. This astronomer said it should worry us all, quite frankly. It's not a Hollywood movie. It's a clear and present danger. Shook him out of his complacency. What does that tell us? Well, onto the sun. But actually, it's not the sun. This is here on Earth. It's like the sun. It's ten times hotter. There's been a pivotal step, they say, in the creation of a plasma-powered reactor. You guys know about this? Well... An alliance of 35 countries has finished laying the groundwork for one of humanity's most ambitious experiments, 
to harness nearly unlimited amounts of energy by creating small stars on Earth. The extreme heat and gravity inside the core of the sun and other stars make hydrogen atoms collide and fuse into heavier helium atoms, releasing tremendous amounts of energy in the process. Well, scientists want to replicate a similar mechanism on Earth in order to generate energy that will be efficient, renewable, and carbon emission-free so that it won't cause climate change. Wow. Well, controlled controlled fusion reactions are projected to create 4 million times more energy than the burning of coal, oil, or gas, and four times as much as nuclear power plants. However, the design of a large-scale fusion device requires immense resources. So a decade ago, 35 countries combined their efforts to build the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor, ITR. Keep your eye on that one. The reactor is being constructed outside the Cataros Research Center in southern France, and the EU, U.S., Russia, India, South Korea, and Japan are among participants in this project. The International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor. Well, Chinese have launched successfully their first private rocket into orbit. The Chinese private rocket firm iSpace successfully launched a carrier rocket into orbit Thursday, making a milestone for China's commercial space industry as the first Chinese private space firm to do so. Their rocket was named SQX-1Y1. It's a self-developed carrier rocket that carried two satellites and several experimental payloads. It is thus far the largest and most powerful rocket built by a private Chinese space company. Well, we hear all kinds of assurances about anonymous data. They want our data, but it will be anonymous. Don't worry about it. You know, we've all done this. When you sign up for an account online, we click, I agree, to have our data sold to third parties. It will be anonymized, we're told, and only a small percentage of data will be made available to others. But how secure can we be that our personal data can't be traced back to us? That was the central question that a team of researchers at Imperial College London looked to find, and their conclusion is not very, not very likely at all that we cannot be identified. They used machine learning, and the researchers uh, found that a specific person could be re-identified from an anonymized data set containing demographic characteristics. Location, 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 folks. The researchers' model suggests that over 99% of Americans could be correctly re-identified from using any data set using 15 demographic attributes. And, of course, this would include age, gender, and marital status, not just where you are. They have developed a Terminator-style robotic eye. Well, actually, it's a robotic eye lens now developed, a group of scientists from UC San Diego has just made an extraordinary breakthrough with a soft robotic eye lens that could be controlled by blinking and looking around. Now, the research was published in the journal Advanced Functional Materials. What does that tell us? It's a whole new ballgame. 
the invention uses electrical signals. The electrical, excuse me, let me say this, the electro-ocular graphic signal, which is generated by the movements of the eye to control the motions and the change of focal length of a biomimetic soft lens. In other words, by looking around and blinking, the wearer can focus these soft lenses as though they were a natural part of the eye. And best of all, they tell us, the technology may even work with the blind. Lead researchers are saying, even if your eye cannot see anything, many people can still move their eyeball and generate this electro-oculographic signal. And they've designed a new bandage. Yep, researchers from Harvard's Voice Institute think they've come up with something better than the traditional Band-Aid. The researchers have designed a new kind of wound covering that not only speeds up the healing process, but can actually reduce scarring as well. Inspired by the fragile skin of animal embryos, which can heal themselves without leftover scars, the new dressing is very high-tech, but simple to use. The bandages use a heat-activated hydrogel that doesn't just cover a cut or gash, it actually contracts and pulls the edges of the wound together. That's what they do when they mend wounds. Usually they, they, they use little strips of, of tape. In this case, the bandage is activated by body heat uh, that shrinks and holds the edges of the wound in place to promote healing. And to combat infection, they've laced this with silver nanoparticles, which naturally destroys, destroys microbes and protects the skin as it heals. In Japan, they have begun their first ever human-animal embryo experiments. Japan has jumped into the act here. It's approved the first ever animal-human embryo experiments. This research, they're looking to say, will produce an alternative source of organs for transplant in humans. However, there still remains an array of ethical and technical hurdles to be figured out. And according to the journal Nature, a Japanese stem cell scientist is set to be granted government backing to develop animal embryos that contain human cells. These embryos will then be transplanted into animals. This follows the rescinding of such a ban earlier this year. As it stands now, their aim is to grow human cells in mouse and rat embryos. The long-term goal is to create animals with organs composed of human cells and for these organs to be capable of being transplanted into people. Well, let's get to some earth conditions here. We'll get away from science. I don't know if we can stand too much more shock. Let's move on to the <laughs> to the earth uh, scene, earth changes. You know, it's been so hot in Europe. It's also, you got to know this, you guys. This has been a year of extreme temperature simultaneously. Some parts of Russia are freezing and flooding, and other parts are burning up with wildfires. That's just one incident, one example. So there are parts of Europe that are roasting, and in northern Finland, it's been so hot that the Finnish reindeer, now you know, Lapland is sort of, maybe you all didn't know this, but that's kind of the Christmas country, okay? That's where Santa Claus is supposed to be, and the reindeer and the sleighs and all that. I mean, Lapland is the real country that, has been symbolized by the Christmas North Pole. But anyway, the Finnish reindeer up there 
have been sighted lying on the beach to get away from the abnormally high temperatures. They were trying to find some cool-down space from the soaring 102-degree weather in Finland last week. Uh. 102 degrees in Finland. Wow. Well, Mexico's El Popo volcano has exploded again. Uh, that happened late, uh, mid last week. And there was a uh, volcanic eruption in Indonesia, in Bandung, that uh, erupted again on Friday. It sent ash several hundred meters into the air. Uh, they say that uh, uh, the tourism spots had all been closed and they were raising the alert on the volcano. And in Japan, there was an eruption Friday at Mount Aso, and also in Mount Etna, on Mount Etna in Sicily, there has been an eruption that's for just this last week. And for earthquakes, we had a magnitude 6.3 that struck near the coast of Japan's Honsu Island. Um, and in the Philippines, you all may have heard about this because that was in the mainstream news, I think, uh, there were eight people killed and dozens injured uh, after a series of powerful quakes struck the northern Philippines late last week. There was substantial damage reported uh, after two consecutive earthquakes that measured 5.4 and then 5.9. That was followed by aftershocks. And while they were rescuing people, a third quake measuring 5.7 struck the same area. That would be a mess. Oh. So back to the uh, the temperature in Europe. I want to share this with you. Uh, Paris reported its highest temperature ever last week as Europe's second major heat wave continues on Thursday. Paris set its all-time uh, temperature high, reaching 108.6 degrees Fahrenheit. And in Cambridge, England, heat climbed to 100.5 degrees. I'm surprised the British are still there. I think they would have evaporated. That is so <laughs> unusual for England. It was the second time ever in their history that they've recorded triple-digit temperatures in the U.K. And other countries also set all-time heat records. Germany reached 106.7. Germany's full of forests. I think that would just be really concerning about forests getting that dry. Belgium soared to 103.8, but just imagine this. A region in the Netherlands reached, according to reports, from 105 to 109 degrees. In Holland, that, that's, that's really something. All right, well, let's go to California now. This is, have you all heard about this? That California is being overrun by rodents. <laughs> and in this case, we aren't talking about politicians. We are talking about rats, a plague of rats. And some people are suggesting that this is related to the surgence of homeless populations. Anyway, what, be that as it may, um, from Crescent City in the north all the way down to Chula Vista in the south, rats are everywhere. There's millions of them, and of course, naturally, they multiply. And thus, the problem is getting worse with each passing month. Now, at this point, Things are already so bad that pest control and public health officials are calling on the California governor to declare a public health emergency over what they say is a sharp, extreme rise in rodent population. They say that they risk a public health crisis over this. And in fact, um, I've also read reports that they're concerned about the return 
of bubonic plague. And as I as I was led to understand it by what I was reading, that and I don't I'm not sure this is accurate. I'm just passing it along. Uh, that the last bubonic plague outbreak in the United States was in the 1800s and occurred in California. And at that time, there was also a uh, excessive rat population. And they are definitely worried. There was a fever associated with the presence of these rats that has recently occurred. And so it's causing health effects already. So they're very worried about that. And that's, that's very odd uh, that that's even happening. But they do say that it's because of the problem with the homeless, not having a place to put their garbage, their waste, and so on. Uh, and in Las Vegas, there has been a huge swarm of grasshoppers. I bet most of you saw this. Late last week, there were thousands of grasshoppers swarming on the Las Vegas Strip, piling up on sidewalks and streets, filling the air in swarms. And I did read that that is uh, not isolated, that there are uh, recurring swarms that come in from the desert. So uh, that was last week. I don't know what's happened since then, but they're probably going to get some more of those little bugs. Um, I have a wonderful thing for you all to think about. Uh, It's a quote from Albert Einstein. Just think about it. He said, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Everybody is a genius. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Wow. And I say that in celebration of individuality and of the tremendous gifts that each of our Starseed listeners has. We all have the element of genius. Einstein was right. And so, you know, the world tends to um, reductionize and uh, boil things down to minimal standards and minimal thinking, boil everything down and down and down. And so many of the brilliance, uh, the brilliance of our people, so much of that has been obscured by early education and by the world's viewpoints on who's smart and who isn't, who's important and who's not. And starseed are individuals who have tremendous gifts, spiritual gifts, psychic gifts, energetic gifts, intellectual gifts, free thinkers, people who are not afraid to be individuals. And you need to know that a true genius has recognized the genius and the potential in not being a conformist, in not going by other people's standards, in not being judged by what other people say. And by recognizing so much of our effort in achieving our true potential is the recognition of the brilliance and the potential that we each have within us. So if you're wondering about your potential and you're not getting feedback or you're not getting uh, any acclaim or maybe not getting any support, don't look at that. Don't look at how other people judge you. Look inside yourself to tap into that really bottomless well of creative energy and insight that we all possess. And you have your own unique thumbprint on that, your own unique contribution. There's only one of you in all of the world, in all of existence, just one of you. Just think about that. Just think about that. You're never to be remade in your same form again. And so this is 
an opportunity for you to take the greatest challenge of all, the greatest challenge that could ever be given to anyone, the hero's journey, the hero's quest, to reach deep inside of yourself and believe in what you are and know that you have everything that you need to achieve what it is that your soul has sent you to do and that you are not replaceable. No one here is replaceable, and we all have a part to play. So from my heart to each one of you, much love, much appreciation and recognition of your genius and the wonderful goodness that you have to bring to this planet. And I personally thank each and every one of you for being here. It is an honor to walk this path with each and every one of you. Have a great week, everybody, and thank you, Ariel, for the opportunity to bring the Starseed News. Oh, you're so welcome. It, you do a great job, and I just, I love that quote. That is really food for thought. So thank you yeah. so much for bringing that to us. Okay, well, um, we'll talk to you next week, and just let me remind you, Anastasia, that next week is the last show before we go to Arkansas. Oh, gosh, so, yeah, um, that's moving And up then we'll be off for two it? weeks. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's thanks coming for up. the reminder. Thanks for the reminder. Okay. All right, see you next right. week. Okay, Anastasia, Bye-bye. thanks so much. Bye-bye. Yeah, I meant to mention that uh, in the beginning of the show, that, uh, and I'll do it again next week, of course, but, uh, yeah, next week will be the last uh, broadcast before we go to Arkansas, and then we'll be off for two weeks, and then we'll be back uh, the week following that. So uh, right now I am going to get Lavendar's mic open, and our guest, Ain. Dr. Sullivan, where are you? There you are. Okay. Well, Ain Sullivan, welcome to the show. Hello, can you hear me? Uh, Lavendar, can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Dr. Sullivan, are you there? We can't hear you. Let me try to close your mic and open it up again. Okay, can you hear us now? Huh? Yeah, we've got we've got no uh, no uh, no volume here. I w- I was talking to you before, so I know you're really there. Um, oh gosh, let me let me try one more time to mute your mic and then turn it back on again. <clears throat> Hello, did that help? Okay. Oh, that worked. Okay. Okay. Very good. <laughs> I was like just I said, saying Mercury, how much I <laughs> Mercury retrograde. One more day. <laughs> One more day. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I enjoyed the Starseed news. That was terrific. Oh yeah, and and uh, she ended up with the perfect lead-in for you, uh, talking about the 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 heroes. And um, and that's what you're going to be talking about tonight. So, um, Lavendar, you can uh, take it away. Well, I am absolutely thrilled that you're being on our show tonight because I've been immersed in in, in this book for the last 24 hours, and I can't put it down. <laughs> so welcome, my friend. I'm so happy that you have had the experiences that you've had in order to write these books. So what inspired you to write the Legends of the Grail series? Well, actually, speaking of uh, Starseed News, <laughs> I um, I had the the great opportunity to to go to to wonderful stone circles and hinges and 
all kinds of cairns and so forth in, in uh, Britain and, and Ireland, also in, in France. And uh, I realized, that at, I think standing at one particular point in, in Ireland, that there are these places, they call them thin places, <laughs> where, where you really can uh, start to open up to other realms and other dimensions. And at first I was kind of shocked by it, and then I, I decided it was really quite terrific. So I spent, I spent a good, well, I, I've done this for 35 years now, but I spent a good uh, 11 years in, in Britain just, just doing this, this one thing. And, um, and so when I ran across some, some of the stories of the superheroines, you know, the goddesses and these, these fantastic Celtic women, I thought, my goodness, you know, I, I didn't realize that we have this, this lineage of, of these females who were, who were quite empowered, who were equals or, or even more so, who who really understood the land and and how to work in harmony with the masculine, and how to live in harmony with with life. So I I fell in love. I think is is really what happened, and one love affair led to the next. <laughs> so I I noticed that you talk a lot about the Grail. There's many descriptions of the Grail, but what is the Grail to you, and and how relevant is it now? Well, it, the Grail means all sorts of things. When I when I first started the series, I was looking. I was actually looking for Mary Magdalene, and so I went to the Chalice Well in England. And uh, supposedly, according to your poll, the the chalice, the, the actual object of the chalice, was brought over by Joseph of Arimathea, containing the blood of Christ. And was kept in that well. So I went, I went looking for the sacred object. But what I encountered was not actually an object, but a presence of the divine feminine that was incredibly powerful. And so I think the Grail can mean many things to many people. Some people say it's a, it's a, it's an emerald that fell from Lucifer's crown, and some people say it, it's, uh, it's actually a bloodline. It's, it's um. Sarah, the the child of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, that was kept a secret, and yeah, so so the Grail's many things. But to me, as the more I looked at it, the more I walked around Camelot, <laughs> the more I walked around the the zodiacs. I thought, well, you know, it's actually the Grail is a, is a circle that includes all things. It's a round table. It's actually a round table. Yeah, it's just, I suppose it's, you could you could call it a flower of life. You know, it's it's really a, a a cup that holds all things. And so I went looking for the missing feminine, and that's what my series is really about. Usually, when the when the Grail Knights ride off, they they are they are helped in some way by the Lady Lady or by um, some sort of challenger, some sort of goddess of sovereignty. Who will help them on their path? So, so to me, for our culture and our time right now, I feel that the Grail is the, the missing feminine. You know, we we turned it into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The you know, the feminine's not a ghost. She's so she's on her way back in. And I feel that, at least when I was standing in these in these sacred sites, Avebury is one of them. It's supposed to be a- Evesbury, the way we connect to the earth. Um, that that these 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 deities and these energies that understand the flow of life, how how we listen, how we move in harmony with things, how we live, you know, on this planet in a way 
in which all things thrive. These these deities really want us to to wake up. You know, you know, as I was reading reading your book, I was very aware that the way that you put your words together gave wonderful pictures of the fairies and the elemental kingdoms and the, the way that you described that it made you feel like you were there experiencing it with you. That's a, an excellent description of your book, and not many people know how to do that, to take you on a journey and actually have part of your presence through the book. It oh, really got me when it started happening. Good, good. Okay. <laughs> that's good to hear. I love the fairy realm. Absolutely love the fairy realm. And there are places where you can open up to it. And I didn't know till today when I read in your book, when two rivers come together, uh, makes a, a dimensional vortex. And I hadn't thought about that before, and that's just wow. Uh, now I'm anxious to see the rivers that come together close to where I am now. Yes, yes, they say that's where the swan, the swan can fly, can take you flying between the, the, where the rivers cross, the, the, the dragon's mouth, and can take you flying all night long so you can gather all the, all the pieces of your soul that have gone missing and, or that you've lost in some lifetime or another. And you can gather all of them, and then as the rays of the dawn uh, appear, the, the black swan will turn into a white swan and land in the water and you return whole so that so that crossing of the rivers that was an uga i think uh maybe maybe you read that one that particular or care care yes. is one that can shape shift into a swan yes mm. you know i have been um doing these sessions now for seven years um from you know the time that we've been on well we actually been on the air a little longer than that but i noticed in the last seven years that a lot of Druid information is starting to come through for people in my sessions. Uh, I'm finding that there's a, a great deal of starseed that seems to be coming our way to find out more information about their heritage, their bloodlines, or, or their past life experiences. And the Druids is a constant. It is a constant. So, And France is a constant. Peru and South America is a constant. It's like... It's like there's this gigantic bloodline experiments that are happening, and they seem to be jumping around to these places. And for for people to show up and do um, sessions, it's it's remarkable to see the patterns. You know, twice is a pattern, and I'm getting patterns every day with this. Well, there's a huge druid revival going on right now. Um, I'm a I'm an Obad member myself. They uh, there were some. You know, in, I think it was 2015 when it finally became a religion, I believe, in, in Britain. Um, it had been suppressed for so long. But the, the Druid, you know, the people of the Oaks, they were originally the, the spiritual keepers of, of the British Isles in Ireland. Um, they were trained in Mona, and, and which is now called Anglesey. And I, I have gone to the, some of the cairns there. And, and crawled inside. You're supposed to crawl inside some of these cairns and listen to the dreams of the earth, and um, so that you can understand your own dream. The druids are really lovely. They they got a bad rap. They were people used to say that they did human sacrifice and this sort of thing. They we we haven't found we've only found one example of one of maybe one sacrifice that happened, and we're not even sure. But I don't think that's really what was going on. I think that was the way we we had of getting well. The propaganda to get rid of the Druids. You know, there had to be a reason to destroy all of them. 
but really they they were very uh, spiritual people, like the Brahmin priests of India, and and they understood the stars, the patterns of the stars. Um, they understood the the earth energies. They knew where to where to put up standing stones, like like acupuncture points in the earth. They um, and you know there was a very long training. The other thing that I love about the Druids is that both men and women could be Druids. Um, they believed in absolute equality. And and you had to learn, in order to be a Druid, you had to learn 250 stories of your people. So you had to have a context. You had to have an understanding of, of your world and the wisdom traditions that move through it. And then you might be invited to become an Ovate or an Oracle or a Seer. And then you could develop your clairvoyance, your clairaudience, and your clairsentience. But, but you had a context for it. And then, after 20 years of training, you might be invited to become a, dru- a druid. So, so there was a, a long initiation period so that you really could hold the, the, the wisdom and the traditions of that land. And, and, of course, then you have the Merlin, the Merlin, the Merlin, the Merlin, the people of the sea, who were probably the original, some of the original starseeds. Yeah. You know, on, on the Ancient Alien series, that I watched uh, the other day, they talked about finding uh, s- some Druid markings in America before Columbus ever came here. Yeah. And I thought that was they're, they're, they They showed mm-hmm. Connecticut, three different places in Connecticut, mm-hmm. where they're finding mm-hmm. Druid uh, mm-hmm. markings. I went to one place. That they call it the America Stonehenge up in New Hampshire. That's one, one particular place. But I think there are all sorts of mysteries. We didn't... We, Luckily, there are all kinds of mysteries. <laughs> yes, yes. So, do you travel now a lot? Do you take people on tours to these places, or tell us a little bit about how you interact with um, the star seeds on the planet? Well, I do. I do. Um, I do readings with people also. Um, if when people are waking up and they're having experiences, usually the I call them the ovates or the oracles, the seers, and when they're starting to to open up to the other worlds, um, I quite often help people uh, as as they awaken. So that it's it's um, usually you need a mentor as it's happening, so you don't think you've gone completely mad. <laughs> and you can find your guides and your and uh, all the beings that need to travel with you as, as you go on your quest. So I do quite a bit of that. And then we we go we I do take people when they're ready, when they're ready and they're solid in who they are then I quite often take people to either um, Glastonbury or Avebury or, or out questing out in Wales, perhaps, or Mona, or out in Ireland. Um, I have some that I'm getting ready to put together for for next year. I, recently, I've been focused on getting these stories out. My guidance had been that it was so important for for us to remember the indigenous stories of Britain, because they do, as you said, they interweave with it with the uh, Native American stories too. And um, because we need, as as our planet speeds up, we need we need the rootedness, we need the ground these stories to help ground us in in this realm in this world, so so we can handle these higher frequencies. And um, so yes, that's what I've been saying in in my readings also a lot of, a lot of the return of the druid. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, back in 2012, we t- we uh, joined forces uh, to go to France, and we had all the people's charts done, 
and we found the star markings that would match our, our experience over there. And we, I think we had, I can't remember how many people we had on the trip, but having people coming <clears throat> from a star seed position in their soul, in their souls, created such a a unit a unity of purpose. It was really mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe I shouldn't offer you the, the um, if you have a group of people, send me their birth dates and let me see if they have star markings that match your event. Oh well, that could be we, we, that could be interesting. I could put it out for sure if people are interested in. And that yeah. did you did you do the, the the Mary Magdalene pilgrimage through France? Is that is that what you yes. did? Yes. Yeah. It it is it is very interesting. And and, and that is what started my quest too. Um right there looking for the Magdalene and and then finding finding this very powerful presence. She's probably she's probably been behind a lot of <laughs> a lot of the awakening. Um Yeah. And did you well, know I, I have- one one thing I, 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 I didn't know was that we were in uh, uh, Chartres, you know, where the wonderful labyrinth is. And yeah. the day we went, it was shut. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because my guidance was to, to be here on this, on this day. And so we started looking around the outside, and we went underneath. We went to the crypts underneath the, the labyrinth, and we discovered a well that was dedicated to Aradne, so the, the goddess who helps you get out of mazes and labyrinths <laughs> and, and so i started to realize that that these old churches that all over all over europe but uh particularly france and, and uk um you'll find these these ancient these ancient sites and and in uh, of course in, in in paris when you go to notre dame you, you have the isis temple the goddess isis temple and uh and i think it's under saint paul's and in london you have the ellen temple so, so there, there are these wonderful ways where you can step back in time and step back and step back until you start to encounter these these ancient deities that were almost wiped out. They, there was there was a a force that wanted to get rid of them, because I, I believe that the the goddess is is um she really understands the culture of life. She understands she she understands how it's meant to be, how we're meant to thrive here on the planet. And um, I guess not everybody likes that. Well, I have noticed in the last two or three years how the women are rising up and taking their power back. So there's something good to to be said about the goddess returning to the planet because it's a demonstration that we're seeing every day. It's it's um it is happening. I I met with some Mayan priests some years ago. I think it was yeah 2012 when the when the you know, Mayan calendar was shifting. And and they came over to me and they said, um, "Oh, it's very important that you tell the stories of the women of your of your people, because the the voice of the divine feminine has not been allowed to be on the planet in 5,125 years, and it can be it can be shared again now." <laughs> I just thought that That's was true. so lovely. That's, mm. That's very true. Yes. So it, and did you notice in my book that you have to go back? You really have to go back to the Tuatha Dé Dún, and you really do have to go back about five thousand years or so to right. find the really powerful deities. You, do, you yeah. do have to travel quite a bit. So, have you had any missing time or something that you could share with our? You know, we have a very awake audience. There's nothing you can say that would <laughs> shock any of us. Okay, so tell us about some of the things that you've experienced going in and out of time. Probably one of my wilder experiences was an encounter with the she, 
Um, are, are you familiar with the she? I probably a lot no, of no, I'm not. But is what is it? So, so in um, in in Irish in Ireland, there there was this race called the Tall Beautiful People, and and Merlin would come straight out of that tradition, and um, they were called the Tuatha de Dunan, and um, and they were re- they were people that really understood the blueprint. Uh, they were like the masters that walk the earth. If there's anybody similar to them, it would be it would be uh, Blavatsky's sort of um, roundtable of, of ascended masters. So these were, were very high spiritual beings, and um, and it was about I think it was about 1700 BC they decided to go to to go into a different dimension. But if you travel back, there there are these cairns, um, and a cairn is like a, a stone hinge, but it has a top on it. So, so the idea was that you would squeeze into it like you were returning back into the womb of a mother, and you would squeeze into these these cairns, and you would, uh, and you would, um, you know, you would you would return to your own dream. And so, so one of them, um, I had I, I saw a fairy, which which is that was probably what started it. I saw a blue bubble with the fairy, and I, I, I shocked me. I was like, oh, oh, there really is a fairy kingdom. <laughs> but that one particular day. I decided to go to La Creux, which is in in uh, in Ireland. It's about it's about half an hour north of of uh, Dublin, uh, north northwest, and it's it's called the Witches' Mountains. Everybody's sort of frightened of this mountain, but I felt this very this, I I felt like I really needed to go. The last story in, in Legends of the Girl Stories of Celtic Goddesses is about the old woman of the world named Macaliach, and so it said that she resides there and uh, my husband's 99% Irish so he loves these things you know I'm going to go look for an ancient goddess and he's he's right with me and and then I had a couple of other people who wanted to go also so we we were questing up the hill and um, they, they had told us that you can't go into this cairn that it's that the gates are locked that you know they had to protect it it's so ancient this this cairn's older than the pyramids older than Stonehenge very ancient place and so I'm walking with my friend Amber, and she's saying, I don't get it. Who is the Kaliach? You know these old, strange Gaelic names. Who is this person? And I said, well, she's, you would know her as Gaia. She's Mother Earth. She's everyone. She's everything. She's, she's the mother that loves us all, that gives us breath, that gives us life. And, and then I heard my husband yelling, right? So we go running up to the hill and around, and there's this beautiful cairn, and, there's the, and the way that the stones are on the outside, it looks, it looks like a stone labia. Right? And so we're looking, and the gate opens. The metal gate unlocks and opens for us quite spontaneously, quite by itself. And, and uh, the other fellow that was with was terrified to go in. He says, what if we go in and it closes, <laughs> you know? So no no it's opened up they 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 want you know they want us to be there, so so I I have my iPhone with me sometimes iPhones come in handy I turned on a light, but they, they traditionally you just put your hand over your head and you walk into the darkness, but but that particular day I turned on the light and I could see these these beautiful these beautiful symbols and, and etched into the setting and you knew you're going into this this sacred sacred mother temple. And so as, as I walked in, and this is February, February raining, and we walked in, and it started to become very warm inside. And, and one of the fellows, Paul, said, why is it warm? This is odd. <laughs> and, and I said, because we're, I think we're going to have a visitation. We're having a visitation. And so we, 
we all sat quietly until we could hear the singing from the other world. That's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes when you're in the thin places, you can hear these tones. And they're so lovely. They're so lovely. And so we started to, to tone with them. I would hear one, and then my other friends would hear them. And so we would tone, we would tone back and forth. And that went on for a while. And it was the, that was the way we were making contact. You know, we were, we were, singing, we were singing to each other. And, and the presence came in, and it was so warm, and it was so friendly. And um, at one point, um, we all started spinning quite spontaneously. We all started just spinning, just connecting with the energies. And then, and then the music stopped, and it went quite cold. And we went, oh, well, that's, that's it. You know, we've had our contact, and so we, squeeze, we, we had to squeeze back out of the, the uh the canal of the mother back in, and, and we were so high and felt so blessed to have had this moment of uh, this experience with the she and knowing that they are, that they are these invisible ones that really, that really love us and that really care for us and the earth. Oh, that's a wonderful story. So have you had any experiences with, with any of the sea nymphs or the sea goddesses? Uh, the Twilight's Tig. I, I have had some encounters with the Twilight's Tig, and and they're they're um. Uh, I just I just finished a novel. I'm just finishing a novel called Nimue, um, who, who's the the female Merlin, and um, I I did have an encounter with her in um, Saint Nectan's Glen in Cornwall, and um, so. She she's she was really demonized. A lot of the women that I work with on the stories were demonized, and I went back to to check them out and see what sort of energy they had. And all of them that I've met so far are just lovely. I mean, I'm not saying everything's lovely, but the ones that I've been really guided to go and check out, they've been really, really magical and sweet and uh, just incredible beings. So I, I went I went looking for more. Uh, Nimue, and which which involves another February. It involves standing in a waterfall in Cornwall. <laughs> um, but um, Nimue, Nimue, um, when you when you go in, into some of these places, um, and, and and these and these beings invite you in, um, and you realize you're standing in these these sort of uh, these threshold these threshold places. Um, you know, you have to be—you have to be on a heroine's quest, Rudy. You know, you have to be—you have to empty yourself out. You don't go with any kind of judgment about what should happen or who you should meet. Or you—you you want to be really clear, clear and clean and open and and curious. And then—and then maybe—and and it doesn't always happen, but maybe it might be that some sort of communication can happen with with these deities that really that really love certain places. And um, I forgot what I was going to say about this, <laughs> but uh, she, she, um, this, this. Anyway, when we go to these places, what can happen for us personally when we meet these deities is that uh, we find a little bit of our own necklace. I think our own, the own, our own strand of our own glaciosa, our own. Um, our own spiritual necklace, you know, the, the wholeness of who we are. And so encountering someone like Nimue, um, we, we find a little bit of magic, you know, and when we return, we, we go, oh my goodness, you know, this world is much more animated than, than we know. 
we, we go go out. It, you, you, you can't look at a tree the same way again. You know, in, in my book, I all the trees. There's an ancient um, Irish writing called the Oam, which is a little bit like the runes. But the Oam is the language of the trees. And so when you really work with the Oam and you you learn to you actually do learn to do a shamanic journey or a druidic journey into the trees. So the druids mean the the wisdom of the oaks or the people of the oaks. And so you learn how to how to move through these the trees into the other worlds. And there and there are many 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 other worlds. And so there's a there you have to learn how to to enter the mythic imagination without losing your mind completely. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess you do lose your mind a little bit. Then you come back and you reintegrate. But you, so there's a there's a way where we can look at a road and it's just a normal road, or you can look at this road where it's ah, you know, it's 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 going to take you on a journey. It's going to take you to this other place. And so you enter this bardic imagination. And if you call on some of the deities like like Taliesin, you know, some of the great bards. They can they can really assist you on, on in making in connection. So so many of the the poets and the writers have have gone to these places like like Tolkien. I, I was walking in Wales one day and I felt like I was right in the middle of Lord of the Rings. You know? <laughs> I was following Sarn Helen, uh, who's uh, Ellen of the Ways is the antlered the antlered goddess who flies through the world also, but. Um, I believe it's 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 lovely when when we can wherever we live in the world, if we can go and just make a relationship with a tree, or we can go and we can just we can just invite ourselves to open up to the you know just consciously dream with all the living things that are, that surround us. You know the birds are singing to us, the butterflies are sing, you know the butterflies are are passing through with their own beautiful message. All the elements, it's all it's all right here for us and. I, I also think it's important to do because one day we walk, we're going to walk out of this world into another world, and if we can do that consciously, ah, oh, how beautiful! You know, you know, a while ago before before the show started, I had some some cards that I pulled, and it was uh, about a goddess that was wearing antlers, and her name was Ellen. Oh, <laughs> Ellen of the ways. She's I, I, often I, is, yeah, she's lovely. She's. You know, she's like the the Venus or the Shakti of the British Isles, and and quite often when I go questing, she's the one that I'll call upon. I'm the Ellen, Ellen, please show me the way. You know, and then you just open up and you just allow her to to reveal some beautiful sacred tree or some incredible well or some uh, some grailed temple that you you know you didn't really know about. Yeah, <laughs> she's fantastic. I'm, I'm I'm curious to know if in any of your travels or studies. Did you find the intermingling with Athena and the 96 goddesses from Greece? Did the Grecians ever go to England and, and participate? Was there was there something that continued on from Greece? Had you found anything like that? Well, you can see it's more Greco-Roman. It's more Roman, um, but 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 certainly there's some there's some crossover. I mean, like like in some tales, Diana. Was the mother of of uh, Nimue. Um, so, and in, in another tale, uh, I think, was it? Hmm. There are all sorts of. I, tr- I actually, when I was when I was working with the with the Celtic stories, I actually was trying to filter out some of the Greco-Roman because it, because people tend to know those very well. And and the one thing about it is that um, in the Celtic tradition, 
you have solar goddesses. And in, in the Greco-Roman tradition, there's Sol, but generally speaking, you don't. And so I was looking, I was looking for these, these um, self-created goddesses that weren't reflecting the light of the masculine, but were reflecting their own light in their own way, had their own wisdom, had their own knowledge. And um, so, you, so the stories are, are more respectful in the, in the Celtic tradition. But I also, re- I, love the Gre- I love Greek and Roman mythology too. So, um, and they do, uh, and they do, they do blend. Good. What I found, what you, yeah, you have to be a little bit careful though, because like in, in Ireland, when I, when I was working in Ireland at Trinity College for a long time, they had taught the Greco-Roman mythology, but they had rejected the Gaelic culture and the, and the Celtic stories. And so it was Lady Gregory um, and, the, and the people behind the Irish literary renaissance, W.B. Yeats and John Millington Singh and so forth, who, who went to Trinity and said, it's really important that we bring the stories back of our own people. It was really a geno- kind of a genocide done on the, on the Irish. So, so since the Easter uprising, there's been this, this, this. The Irish have really been pulling back their their own traditions and their own stories, and and um, of course, of course, having other mythologies can can be supportive. But um, I feel that that as the as the the, the Scottish tradition, as these these voices start to really come back. Eru, Eru is one of the, the, the primary goddesses of Ireland. Eru, Bamba, and Fodla are the triple goddesses there. That they're actually one of the, it's one of the first places where this, this real awakening is happening. Um, I've, I've been talking to several people about this, that, that those energies are very prevalent right now. They've, they've relit the, the flame to Bridget. And um, who is, you can compare to to Pallas Athena, um, and uh, and you can make comparisons, but they they really are their own their own deities, and they carry their light their own way, and and I think generally they, you know, they they're friendly, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, I was pretty sure that they would interconnect at some point. I'm looking at the page that you sent about the books that you've written. You have poetry, tracking the deer, the wind horse. Three Days in the Light, and then you have a children's series, Sparkle in the Gift, Sparkle in the Light, Ella's Magic, and the Story of Becoming. So you've really been busy writing the, all these books. Has this been very successful for you, or is it just now really kicking in since people are awake now? <laughs> well, it, it, um, I have a great audience now. I think when I first started collecting these stories uh, 35 years ago, um, I'm not sure that there was there was so much of the audience for it, but I loved I loved the story so much I just kept collecting them. But now now it's really taking off. It's um, the kids' stories have been have been doing really well. Story becoming is still my bestseller. Um, it's a story of an apple tree from the tree's perspective, and it, she's, she becomes a miracle tree. It's a really lovely story. Um, but yes, there is a wonderful awakening going on on the planet. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to be part of the movement. And uh, <laughs> and, and I really and, and think, that after, <laughs> I think that after 2012, something very magical started happening in people's bloodlines, and people started standing up and speaking their truth. And although the star seeds are still under the radar, we're a mighty group on the planet. There's millions and millions of us now. So. There's no telling what's going to happen in the future when we all rise, and we will rise at some point. We will. 
there's a flowering of the ages going on. That is for sure. One thing that the star seeds will love hearing is I, I've been going to Avebury for a long, long time, decades. And I always pick people and give them dowsing rods and I show them how to read the, the, the ley lines. And they've always been about 12 feet wide. Well, last year we went to go measure it. There was 33 feet wide. And we started checking and I started call, calling different dowsers and so forth. And people started checking all the ancient sites. They're on. They're very, very, very active. And so I don't know what that means exactly, but <laughs> but the dragon's awake, I believe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we have planted the Giza crystals, you know, all over that, that area, so there's no telling what's going on with that. <laughs> so at oh, this time, I'm thinking... I'm saying what time it is, and I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Ariel, who has the switchboard. And I, I so love reading your books, and I can't, I'm, I'm into one now, but I'll, I'll be into the second one as soon as I finish this one. So I want to stay in contact with you. I think that we have a lot to do in the future. So um, let's, let's, let's share phone numbers later on, okay? Okay, we will do. Okay, back to you, Ariel. Okay. Wow, this is just fascinating. I, I so love what you're what you're talking about and what you're doing and the stories really need to be told. Um and before we go any farther, are you would you be willing to answer questions um if, if people happen to have some? Oh absolutely. I love questions. Anybody have <laughs> okay. some? <laughs> okay. So um if you're if you're already on the switchboard, if you've already called in, then all you need to do is press 1 on your keypad so that we know you've got a question. And if you're listening on the computer, then just pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292 and then once you're in, press 1 and um Kathy will get you ready to come on the air. So while we're waiting to see if anyone has any questions, and really we don't often have a lot of callers with a lot of questions, so uh, but I like to always put the offer out there. So if there if if there were maybe you know one or two stories that you find the most inspiring, um, which which goddesses would that be, or which heroine? Oh gosh, I love all of them, but. But the one, the one I was talking about, the Kaliach, the old woman of the world, is pretty fascinating. And uh, we we demonized her, you know, we turned her into the old the old hag with the pot. But she, but really, if you go if you go looking for her, she might have she might have a large cauldron or a large pot, a cauldron of plenty. But she holds all the seeds. She holds all the seeds of the earth, all the star seeds, <laughs> right there, <laughs> all all sparkling in her pot so she she's really lovely to get in touch with and she understands how the how the earth works and how the elements work so i love her and she's usually accompanied by bridget and bridget's probably the most accessible um you can go to kildare and light your flame and and she's she's very very access, accessible as a as a light bearer and and uh as the especially ireland but all all of that area and uh I always, I always ask, ask people too, and, and heroines of Avalon, other tales. I have a few Arthurian legends, and um, the, of course, in, by the 12th century, women had started to lose their power. But I was, I was really happy to find um, the name of the sister of Percival, who 
was the first person, an Arthurian legend, to achieve the Holy Grail. I went, what? Double take? The first person to achieve the Holy Grail was a woman? <laughs> yes. And her name was either, you can say Dendrain or Dendrana. So so I thought that was good. Her her story's in the, in the book. And uh, and also wow. an older, older, older version of Elaine, who's, who's actually got us. So there are lots of fun stories. They, they each, um, you've got thir- 13 or 14 in there that you can that you can tap into, and then Nimue coming soon. So um, the way you've got the, the book set up is um, so that if someone were needing assistance, they can find um, the, the the story of, of someone that they would resonate with. And and work with those energies as well. Um, it's more than just reading the book. It, there are some um, meditations that you have to help people um, work with the information to benefit from it. Is this correct? Yes. Yeah, it's correct. It's um you, you can you can just uh, leaf through it and see which which goddess or heroine um, speaks to you. Uh, and one one for instance, Blood Eye with is a really sort of difficult story. About a woman who was accused of being an adulteress and a murderer, and and her her whole her whole story is about about forgiveness. So it's a lovely story. It's a lovely story. It's a difficult story, but then afterwards, there's there are ways uh, through visualization and meditation that you can get in touch with with that deity, and um, and then there are practices that you can do yourself to to relieve yourself of any. Of course, in this age, we we want to. Let go of whatever places in us still suffer, and so the, these deities are assisting us in that, so that we we find the pearl of wisdom and, and let the pain go. And so, so each one is is like having each each deity is like finding the, the a pearl in your necklace. You know, you can work with different energies in different ways. They all have colors and trees and and poems that go with them. And, and you could be anywhere. Uh, you don't have to be in Ireland or England. Um, to 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 summon to work with to request uh, guidance from any of these um, beings. No, I mean we work with astrology all the time, so we're working with Jupiter and Venus, and right, and and so if you're working with Venus, you could just as easily work with Elena's ways. So um, yeah, they're accessible from your your. It's it is powerful to get to go to a place, but you know you can you can wherever you are. You can just take your shoes off and put your feet on the on the earth, and there you are. You know, you can you, you can have a connection, even sitting in your chair. We can learn to consciously dream. I mean, right now, you're in a different place, and I'm here talking to you. It's quite easy to do. And they take you to the other worlds, of course, which which we don't, which we uh, have to learn to walk into and walk back out of. So so it's it's a practice. It's a practice of 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 remembering how to consciously dream remember how to work with an animated universe and it really brings so much delight and joy when you learn how to do it and you and you get your own team you know you know which which deities are working with you which ones are empowering you which uh just like your astrology chart you know what what's your strongest planet so right yeah well, um, we have we have a caller that's ready to um, come on and ask you a question. So you're going to be talking to Nanette, and uh, let me get your mic open. Hi, Nanette. 
Thanks for calling Hello in. Hello there. How are you today? I'm good. Well, oh. you are on the air with Ayn Sullivan, so go ahead with your question. My question is, um, I used to visit my grandmother every summer when I was younger, and I've always been connected with the star beings. I've always seen ships and all of that. And one afternoon after everybody had finished working and whatnot, we were on the porch, and four orbs came down the road. And they were like big orange, they looked like big beach balls. And they were about eight feet from the ground and about eight feet apart. And they got to my grandmother's house and they stopped. And I said to my grandmother, everybody froze on the porch except for me and my grandmother. And I said to her, could I just go out in the yard a little closer so that I could see them? And she looked at me and told me she was going to lay me out on the floor if I moved. So my question (laughs) is... Where do the orbs fit in, or do they fit into what you're talking about, and what exactly are they? Because I well, keep I, feeling they I were have conscious. had the, that experience too. And but what I encountered with the orbs, well, actually two different kinds of. I've encountered two different kinds of orbs. Mm-hmm. Um, one in, in Ireland, they would come. The ones I saw were blue bubbles, about the size of basketballs, and they mm-hmm. would come. And but they were fairy. They had fairies in them. They had a beautiful little, like almost like Tinkerbell fairies. <laughs> they were just lovely, and they had and they giggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so I realized there there's certain places where they those those sort of beings reside and they hang out. I, I've encountered some in in, Sha- in Mount Shasta too, um, but I haven't seen them very often. But they're just they're lovely, um, and. I haven't seen orange ones, but I have also encountered some other ones that were, uh, that, but all of them were nature s- spirits. Um, okay. And the only other time, I had a a, a really interesting experience. Uh, my son was really ill, and I was sitting by his head, his head, and and I was praying for him. I was praying for him to be well. He was a child. And, the, the, a light went on behind me, and, and, and he said, uh, why did you turn the light on? And I said, well, I, actually, I, I didn't turn the light on. I turned and looked. There's a huge orb by my, by my left side that was, it was as bright as a light bulb. And mm. it went, it went into, into his head very slowly, and went all, it scanned all the way through his body, and it went out of his feet, and then it went out. And I was kind of shocked, you know, wow. but I said, um, William, how, how are you feeling now? And he goes, I'm fine. He turned everyone to sleep. <laughs> so I would really like to keep those beings around. <laughs> okay. So they can be then, um, they can be, uh, they could probably be anything then if they could be fairies. Once I was reading a book and they said that one of the orbs that this lady encountered turned into a being. So that's what made me curious because, as I said, when they stopped, they all stopped at the house, and they stayed there for like 15 or 20 minutes. And I knew we were telepathically engaged, but I have no clue what it was that they wanted and whatever. And then they all turned, and then they went down the other road, and then eventually they just disappeared. Oh, well, they're probably the fairy folk. That, and, and um, you know, if we, we can learn to, to communicate with, with them. I, my rule, my rule of thumb when I'm when I'm working with things I don't quite understand is if it feels friendly, then I'll mm-hmm. then I'll continue the conversation. And if I feel scared, I'll probably just just back up, be respectful, and, and back up. And maybe it's not really part of my consciousness yet, so I just mm-hmm. 
don't engage it. But if it, but if it feels, well, you know, a lot of times they'll they'll move forward, and and they they actually they want contact. The very first one that came, I I was I was really young, and it appeared to me in the forest, and it was so beautiful, but I I I didn't have the programming to deal with it, and so I yelled and I ran home. You know, I told my mother and my father, mm-hmm. and they said, oh, you have a great imagination, and I was like. No, it wasn't my imagination. It was this, it was this being, and so I went back. I went back time and time and time again to try to make more contact with him, and he never came back. So mm-hmm. it, it, so I had to, I had to learn. You know, I guess all of us when we're we're dealing with mysteries, then, um, you know, to to go reverently, and then if they're there, not not to get too excited, but to you know, you can send like. A light. They like it if you send them like a pink light. They'll play mm-hmm. with that. They'll send you a little pink light back or something mm-hmm. like that. And because um, I think the fairy folk, from what I've understood in some of my communications with the she, is that they they're they're concerned about the earth and what's happening. And so if someone's really open, a lot of times they'll try to make contact because they're ho- they're hoping that there can be a a relationship that can be formed. There, there's a wonderful man, you might love to read his books, called Ogilvy. He works with the Fendhorn. And he was very good at working with the, the, the spirit world, um, the fawns and the, and the fairies and so forth. And they would make these wonderful vegetables uh, in, in northern Scotland where it really shouldn't be happening. But they, he, he learned how to make a direct connection. And uh, so I think we can, we can learn. We have to be very sensitive. They're very, very sensitive, mm-hmm. and so we we have to. We, you know, when we when we start to communicate with them, it's just like like I said, you just send a little pink light, or you say a little a little poem to them, some very sweet poem to them, um, or you you sing a song. They love it if you just start humming. You just start humming, or you have a little rattle, you know, and you just start singing. It, a lot of times, if you're just out and you just start, even if you can't really sing, but you just start humming. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll come. They'll come closer. You know, they'll come up right, right to you because they love that sort of thing. Isn't it's it funny. wonderful that we have these these beautiful beings all around us? Exactly. And you know what was funny? I was excited to see them, even though I did not know mm. what. And that's why I wanted to move closer. But my mother, my grandmother, was scared, so she mm-hmm. didn't want me to move because she didn't know exactly what they were going to do. But they stayed there like fifteen or twenty minutes, so they must have been doing something. And then they turned and then they walked away. And when you were just talking about the humming, when I was in the king's chamber in, in the pyramids, uh, in the pyramid, I started humming because everybody was getting in and out of the sarcophagus, and I didn't want to get in. And I just started humming this song, and I don't know where this song came from. And people would come in and go out and whatnot, and when I opened my eyes, the whole room was full of people. And I don't know what it was I was humming. I haven't gotten a clue. So you reminded me of that when you were talking about the humming, you know. That's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for, excuse me, thanks for calling in, Annette. No problem. I love your show. Oh, thanks so much for listening. You take care. Thank you. Bye. It's so fun to have. Have such open-minded people. Bye-bye. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we have uh, a starseed audience, and they're mm. they're very um, enlightened and uh, just delightful. That's so, wow! What wonderful work you're doing. 
<laughs> well, as are you. And um, I hope that when, when Lavendar gets done with your book, she'll let me have them. Um, because I, I would I hope so. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna when I go see her in two weeks in Arkansas, um, you, Lavender, you better be done because I'm just gonna take them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has just been delightful having you with us uh, this evening, and thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Um, you know the. The returning of the divine feminine is one of the most important missions on the planet because when we do yes. return to that balance, there will be peace in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, we are restringing, we are slowly restringing the, 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 the necklace of the goddess that, that stretches way back. You know, there are some Tibetan traditions that are unbroken for 18,000 years. And we can we can reweave it ourselves. You know, it, it it requires a little, it requires a little intuition and a little research and a little, you know, friendship, and but it's it is coming. The flower of the ages is blossoming. And what a wonderful time that we're here now to to witness it and to yeah. participate and to assist. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for sharing your time with our audience. And uh, um, <clears throat> is there going to be a third Legends of the Grail in the series? Yes, I, I just I just finished, actually, it was supposed to be King's, uh, King's Heroes and the Goddess of Sovereignty, but somehow in the middle of it, uh, Nimue slipped in. So I'm just finishing that story. It's called Nim, Nimue, who's freeing Merlin. She wakes up in this lifetime and realizes she she uh, she, uh, she she trapped Merlin in a tree in a previous life. So she has to figure out how to get back to him and and and, and release him from the tree. <laughs> so it's, anyway, it's fast paced and it's fun. That should be out before too long. And there's a another children's book coming out called um, the Rainbow Dragon's Emerald, which is another sort of Imran version into the underworld. To, to find the lost the lost emerald of the dragon, so so they're coming out they're coming out soon. So on, on we go. Lovely. It's I I really feel honored to be able to tell the stories and help help people remember the stories of our of our culture of our people, and so we have we have a a, a strong context for our own awakening, and uh, we know we can we can get through this change together. We can do it if we unite. And, yes. and just love each other and and be kind and, uh, you know, abandon judgment. These are all things that will get us where we need to go quicker. <laughs> yeah, they do. I have I have heard that the the thing that will 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 shut down our evolution more quickly than anything else is is self criticism. And obviously self-judgment. So if we can toss out the inner critic, I think it's really quite useful. <laughs> I'm sure we have his phone number if we need him, but, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's something that really <laughs> it can really get in the way of our, of our, of our creative unfolding. So we have to rem, rem, remind each other, you know, when that, when that voice pops in, to, ah, that's the old, that's the old paradigm. And, uh, right. Right. I mean, whether you're judging yourself or judging others, it will stop your evolution until exactly. you until you you know conquer that, and then you can continue. 
Well, so, I think uh, the star again, knows. Just, um, yeah. Go ahead. I, just, I mean, I think the star seeds know that what we really want to be doing is seeing that, that beautiful rainbow star within each other. You know, when we see the, the unique unfolding of each person, then that, that's really, that's, then we're on track. And we can help each other unfold into our own unique true nature. So that's the way forward. It sure is. So uh, once again, I just want to remind everyone that your website is AIN, A-Y-N, Kate's, C-A-T-E-S, Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N.com. And your books and all the things that you have to offer um, are up on the website. It's a beautiful website, so everyone check it out. And, um, AIN, thank you so much for being with us this evening. It's been our pleasure to, to meet you, introduce you to our audience. And when that third book comes out, let us know. Okay, I will. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Thank you, thank you again, and I, I'll listen in. I, I've really enjoyed the show. I'll keep listening. I'll keep Excellent. being part of the Starseed team here. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we appreciate that. So um, we will be back next week, everyone. And um, as I mentioned before, uh, next week will be the last show uh, before we go to Arkansas, and then we'll be gone for two weeks, and then we'll be back the, the following week, and I'll, I'll give you those dates um, next week on the show. But until next week, take care of yourselves and make a conscious effort to look for things to be grateful for every day and show compassion anytime you can. Until next week, everyone, bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.